That is awesome worship. Thank you, guys and ladies. I hope we never take that for granted in this place. What a joy it is to come week in and week out and just begin to worship the Lord from our hearts. Thank you, Michael and Logan and team. I want you to do two things as we begin. First of all, find this card on your pew, this life commitment card, this live sent card. Go ahead and take that and pass it along your pew so that you have that. And then uh, take your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter one. 1 Peter chapter one, we'll be looking at the first nine verses in 1 Peter. Susan and I have been, a lot of, been doing a lot of reminiscing this week as we have, uh, it's been a year since we were with you. Last year we flew in from overseas to have our interviews and to talk with the various uh, committees and the deacons. And what a joy it's been just to walk this journey with you. Uh, we went back to the field for a very long four months and then came in July. And uh, being on, on this side, you know, standing here with all the craziness on Wednesday night is unbelievable. The love and encouragement that we feel standing on these steps, and I know all these guys out there would just confirm that, it's overwhelming. The first time I was just, tears were coming to my eye. They just don't do that for us overseas. It's amazing. But what a blessing you all have been. And now to see it from this side and to see the staff get so engaged and the leaders that are working uh, among our church to bring this all together, what a blessing that uh, you are to, to this body and beyond because the nations are benefiting from your passion for even this week. It makes a difference to the peoples on the other side of the world. So here we go, 1 Peter chapter one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that you would open our hearts, quiet our spirits, 
It's been a long week, Lord. We have learned so much. We've engaged with so many people. We've had countless conversations. And now, Father, I pray that you would draw us into the word and into what you want us to be involved in in our own lives as live-sent followers of Jesus at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In July of 1985, I was traveling in the south of France. I just finished my journeyman term in, in the UK, or as Martin would say, the motherland. And I came to the city of Lourdes. And in that city, I started walking in, and there were trinkets, religious trinkets everywhere, all the shops. And there were bottles of water of all shapes and sizes everywhere. And then we came across this long line, these long lines of people who were carrying poles with names on top of those poles, big placards that would say Germany, Spain, Portugal. These were pilgrims. They were coming to a very important site in the Catholic religion where a certain Bernadette Sobirus had seen Mother Mary, who had told her that this water in this spring would bring healing. And so every day in the afternoon, they wheel out hundreds of people for a healing service. They're waiting, they're hoping that they can be healed in, in some way of the disease that they bring to that particular healing service. Every year, four to six million Catholics descend on that site, hoping beyond hope that they can be healed of something. It's one of those pilgrimages, pilgrimage sites around the world. Today, pilgrimage is a global enterprise. It has a powerful appeal to millions and millions and millions of people. In India, we saw tens of millions of people descending on cities from time to time on pilgrimage. This evening, I want us to think about our own pilgrimage as believers in Christ. And the title of my message is Sojourning with the Savior. Sojourning with the Savior. And in the book of Peter, 1 Peter, he wrote to a group of people who were sojourning. They were scattered abroad. They were throughout Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And he wrote, Peter wrote to these scattered believers to give them hope. Because their position in the Roman Empire was becoming unstable. It was becoming untenable with, with uh, the James, the brother of, of Jesus, being martyred. And then more and more Gentiles coming into the church. It began to look like this really wasn't a, a sect of Judaism. It was something different. And if so, then uh, they would lose their ability to be exempted from worshiping the emperor. And they would have to begin to worship the emperor or pay the price at the same time, Nero is beginning to unleash a reign of terror on the Christians. He, he was bound and determined. He was going to rid the Roman Empire of these Christ followers. And so these people are in need of hope. And that's what this message brings, a message of hope in the face of suffering, a, a challenge to keep living a holy life. We're being bombarded from every direction that would keep us, distract us from living a holy life. And to remind the diaspora living out there in those hinterlands that this 
this is not our home. This is not our home. This evening, I want us to think about who we are as sojourners. First of all, we, we're called to be sojourners. Verse one, what kind of sojourners are we? We're, we're scattered sojourners. That word diasporas is used. We get the word diaspora. Those that have been scattered abroad. It's close to another word called diaspira, which means to scatter by sowing. In Acts chapter two, Acts chapter eight, after the persecution of Stephen breaks out, it says the believers were what? Scattered. They were diaspiroed out of Jerusalem. They were going everywhere. And what were they doing as they were diaspiroed? They were sharing the gospel, weren't they? Everywhere they went, they were spreading this great news of the Savior who had died for them and risen again. So they're called aliens or pilgrims or foreigners or sojourners. Now, these are different from tourists who go for a week or so and have a good time and enjoy the culture and have a little honeymoon, come on home. These sojourners were there. They were going to stay for a period of time and live in that particular place. And today, there are 60 million sojourners around our world, those who have left their home country and they've taken up residence in another country. They're called a lot of things. They're called foreigners or they're called expats, or they're called outsiders. As, as our family sojourned for 29 years overseas, we were called Boulets and Londos and Feringis and Farangs. Those were the nice names. The church took on this name, and Peter changed the meaning of that name. Now, it was used for the Jews who were, were scattered abroad, the diaspora outside Jerusalem, outside of Palestine. But then when Peter used it, He's using it in another frame of reference. What is he saying? We are the diaspora and this is not our home. Our home is there. The celestial city is our home and we owe our loyalty to the king who is coming again from that city. So let's not make our, our life like heaven on earth because whatever we can do here will pale in comparison to what we have there. As believers in, in this country, we also have some dangers and nothing like heavy persecution yet, but we can be caught up in consumer Christianity. We can be caught up in wanting our comforts to be met, our worship styles to be met, our and our and our. Another thing we can have around the corner, maybe don't like to talk about is a sacred cow. And you know, in India, in, in the Delhi, we lived in Delhi, 25 million people, and a cow could plop himself down anywhere he wanted and they would do nothing. So here's a main artery in the city, you're driving your car down there and all of a sudden there's a huge backup and you get up to it and everyone has gone down to one lane on a three lane road because a lot of holy cows, sacred cows have plopped themselves down and clogged up the artery through the city. That can happen in an organization, in a church. If we had sacred cows, we're not willing to kind of move off so that the gospel can flow. We never want to let that happen anywhere. With the IMB, we had a few sacred cows through the years. And uh, we, we tried to 
move them off the side of the road. They like to get back on their road. We gotta keep moving them off that road because we want the gospel to flow. It's not about us. It's not about our needs. It's about his kingdom. And so we wanna be kingdom citizens who are bringing that news. As scattered pilgrims, we're, we're living sacrifices as well. Our king has already come and sacrificed for us, and he asks us to, to live as a living sacrifice. And so from time to time, what happens to a living sacrifice? He wants to kind of crawl off the altar. We have to keep getting back on that altar, choosing to follow him, the way he wants us to live our lives, and the way he wants us to, to bless others and to, and to bring Christ to our neighbors and our friends. He's come. He's given us marching orders. Those marching orders may be to, to start a con gospel conversation with a neighbor. It may be to pack up the tent, move to the other side of the world. It may be committing to pray. If you, if you can't go to the other side of the world or you really can't walk a lot, guess what we have right here? 37 days straight of prayer. Now, how many days is it until our next GIC? It's about 360. So if you take one of these missionaries a day over the next 360 days, most of them are gonna be prayed for at least 10 times. And so you can begin to pray for them by name. Perhaps the Lord's saying, hey, maybe you need to move to Cincinnati, maybe Columbus, maybe Tucson, Arizona, my hometown. Maybe the Lord's saying, college student, take a semester off and go be a hands-on missionary overseas and work with some local missionaries and get some experience that way. Perhaps college graduates saying, hey, take a couple of years before you get into your career and go overseas as a journeyman and then come back and let that affect your whole life and be on mission with Christ where you are. Perhaps it's, it means joining a nonprofit board right here in Birmingham and serving that way. Perhaps it, it means going down the hill and playing basketball in the evenings in the summer with some guys who need to hear the gospel. What is he asking you to do in your life and in your heart? These believers were being persecuted. Their faith was being stretched. They were challenged to live for Christ in the midst of that. But Peter is saying, hey, you have a home waiting for you. In fact, you already have a reservation, according to verse four. So let's remind each other of what we have waiting for us. Now, besides the pearly gates and the foundation who is, who's holding up wall, uh, foundation of precious stones holding up those walls, or those streets of glass that are transparent, Listen to this in Revelation 21, 22 to 27. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no light, no, no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations 
into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you long for that place? That is our home. That's our real home. That's where we're going one day. Well, we're not only scattered sojourners, but we are chosen sojourners. We are eclecton pilgrims, elect. Believers are not only sojourners, but they're chosen. The plan of salvation now involves all three persons of the Trinity, and I love that we're just singing about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In verse two, it says, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. The foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. As pilgrims, we are chosen by God in the deep counsels of eternity. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's not based on anything we've done. It's, it's by his grace and, and his love for us. The plan of salvation involves more than the Father's electing love. It includes the work of the Holy Spirit who comes to convict us of, of sin and to open our hearts to him and to believe in him. It also includes the Son whose, whose death on the cross and his blood shed brings forgiveness of sin in our lives. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity working together bring us to salvation. The Father choosing us, the the Son dying for us, the Spirit opening our hearts to Him. In October of 1977, I made that commitment when I was a freshman in college because like Ben, I grew up in one of those cities where you never hear the gospel very much. In Tucson, I never remembered meeting a Christian my age until I went off to college. and I heard the gospel for the first time and it's what I was looking for. But I never heard it before and it impacted my life. It changed me forever. That was 40 years ago, and I haven't looked back. What happens when we begin to mess with the Trinity? You know, we've, we've lived among a lot of people and different worldviews, from Hinduism to Buddhism to Sikhs to Muslims, and all of these beliefs in, include heresy in the truth. With Hinduism, Brahman becomes the creator, the father, but totally unknowable. And he himself was hatched out of a golden egg that was floating on primal waters. In Mormonism, the son is, is the offspring of God the Father and becomes a God in his own right, separate from God the Father. In Islam, Muhammad takes the place of the Holy Spirit they say that, no, no, it wasn't the Holy Spirit Jesus was promising to send. It was Muhammad. He's the one that was promised to come. And so we see that salvation outside of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gets us nowhere. We're lost. We're aimless. We're like those millions and millions around the world who are trying to find some way to make sense 
of the spiritual world. And so every day their morning begins worshiping idols. They live in fear. They seek to appease those idols. Every day at the, the Bodha Stupa in Kathmandu, Tibetan Buddhists are prostrating themselves one after another after another all day long, seeking some way to find favor with a God they do not know. Peter writes to give us hope because we have salvation in no one else than in the name of Jesus Christ. Third, we're pro proclaiming sojourners. If you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter continues on with this chosen race. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why are we chosen? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 3, turn over one more chapter, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. How do we live since? We take that first step of being ready to share the gospel. I met with someone this week over lunch, and as we sent out the, the men's devotion, someone said, hey, you mentioned uh, if, if you wanted to uh, learn how to do that, to share the gospel, then you could talk to me about it. And, and we met this week at lunch and just had a great time of just talking through how to share the gospel with people. Every one of us needs to be able to share the hope that is within us in a way that's easily understandable. I can remember so many times in Delhi asking somebody if they had knew Jesus. And I remember one time I got the answer, well, where does he live? City of 25 million people, a lot of churches, but totally oblivious to who this man is. The most important name in history. That name is still waiting to be heard for the first time among tens of millions of people in our world. You know, sometimes it's easier to, to share the gospel with people on the other side of the world because we know that if we walk across the street to our neighbor, well, he's going to be there the next day, and he's going to be there the next day, and we can keep putting that off. But there's a sense of urgency when we go on a mission trip because we know, I'm not going to see this person again. I'm going to share the gospel with him right now. But let me remind us, we don't know how many days we have. We don't know how many days our neighbors have. So as we begin the warmer days of 2018 and we're out and about in our yards, let's walk across the street and say, hey, how can I pray for you? You know, that's an easy way to start a spiritual conversation. How can I pray for you? Non-threatening. Bless them, pray for them right there and begin that spiritual conversation with those in your neighborhood. Abraham and Sarah were set apart to be a witness for Christ, to witness for the Lord and his name and his honor. They had much of what the world seeks, and yet they lived life with open hands. Abraham was given an important strip of land to care for. 
And yet he had his eyes on another land. Hebrews 11.10 says, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He camped on this earth, but he knew his real home was in heaven. So Abraham left the sophisticated city of Ur and he left his family, he left his friends, he left the familiar, like many of you have done. And he became route conscious and root conscious. Now he had to become route conscious because he had no map and he had no compass, but he had the Lord and the Lord was gonna show him where to go to the promised land. Where, where was that? And so he had to be very near to the Lord and listening to him as he led him there. But then when he got there, he had to put down roots. He was route conscious and root conscious. He drove the stakes in for the tent. He mended those tents. He cut that wood. He watered the sheep. He put down roots where he was. After we'd lived in Pakistan for several years, I was, <clears throat> I was challenged by some verses in Jeremiah 29. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Well, we, we increased by two during our time there in Karachi. And then it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, I realized I needed to put down my roots, and that, that sounds kind of incongruent when you talk about being a sojourner and putting down roots. And I remembered something that I heard when I went through journeyman training, it was this. They challenged us to be temporarily permanent and not permanently temporary where we were living. That came back to me and said, you know something, I need, to be, I need to be permanent while I'm here. I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. The city was in anarchy. It was in constant turmoil. But I went down to the local nursery and I bought some plants. And I came back, I got down on my hands and knees and I got down in the dirt and I planted those plants and those flowers that day and I felt a part of the dirt of that city. And I began praying for the peace and prosperity of that city. And you know when you do that, you feel more integrated into the life of that city. Your burden grows for that city. You long to see those people come to faith in Christ in your city. A couple of weeks ago, I was in downtown Birmingham on the 20th floor of the, the Regions Bank building, gathered with 60 Christian leaders around the city. And we were praying for the city for the peace and prosperity of the city. And newly elected Mayor Randall Woodfin came and he shared his heart with us and we could hear the angst in his voice as, as he was so discouraged and troubled by the, the violence happening in the city and by the phone calls that he had to make to grieving families in our city. And we, we gathered around him that day and we prayed over him. Now why, why would I, why would I do that? because I wanna pray for the peace and prosperity of my new city. I wanna see the gospel thriving in Birmingham. 
I wanna see racial reconciliation, the divide come together. And it was a glimpse that day, that multi-ethnic and multi-racial gathering of Christian leaders, a glimpse of what can be and of what will be one day around that throne. Abraham had his eye on the route God wanted him to take so that he would know where he had to put down roots to invest his life and make a difference. Now, when, when he was traveling with Lot, they had made their home there. Herds got too big. Abraham says, Lot, your choice. East, west, north, south, we need to divide. And he let Lot make the choice. Now, as a businessman, is that a good choice? You're gonna let your nephew make the first choice on the, the best piece, and he took what looked like the best piece. But Abraham knew, hey, open hands. This isn't, this isn't our real world. I know what's coming. I'm looking for that city up there. And so he, he lived with open hands. He didn't worry about the gold and the silver and the, the huge herds. Are we allowing our resources to be used for the gospel so that others will join this celestial city? As sojourners with the Savior, we, we're being prepared for glory. We're being prepared for glory. Now, verse six says, in this you, great, you rejoice, though now for a little while, while if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Ugh. How are we being prepared for glory? By the Lord bringing trials into our lives. And it says they are manifold. It says they are variegated or multicolored. And they come at us from all directions. And sometimes trials come to discipline us when we disobey the Lord. Sometimes they, they come at us to keep us from sin. Sometimes they, they come at us to increase our spiritual growth, to mature us so that we become more like Christ. We don't know why they come, but they come. They come. God gives us the grace, though. His grace always goes deeper than those trials. And he sustains us by his spirit in the midst of those trials. You know, gold is, is pure, and you can see your face in liquid gold like looking in a mirror. It's got to be pretty hot. And that's what it feels like sometimes in a trial. The Lord is burning that dross out of our lives. He's burning out the impurities because he wants Christ to be seen in our lives, in our hearts, in our actions, in our attitudes. The Lord is in the process of making us into a cleansed vessel, a choice vessel, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And finally, his glory is what? Our reward. His glory is our reward. Verses eight and nine. Peter reminds those living on the edge of eternity in the ancient world that even though they have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. His glory is our reward. You know, the Heights are getting ready to move to Taiwan. It would be really easy for them to stay here. 
You know, they have lots of reasons to stay here. It'd be more comfortable. They would have more services for their family. And yet God has said, go. And they've answered the call. They've said, yes. Going to minister to children with special needs and families with, with those special needs children. Who better could God call out to do that work? His glory is our reward. You know, through the years, we've had people come up to us and say, thank you for your sacrifice. And I know what they mean. But I have to tell you when, you, when you're really walking with Christ and doing what he wants you to do, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It feels like you're right where you're supposed to be. And some days it's pretty hard to be right where you're supposed to be. But it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It, it sort of feels like you're in a spiritual zone sometimes. Like, this is so much where the Lord wants me. I just feel like he's carrying me. His Holy Spirit is moving through me in ways I, I could never do on my own. Is the Lord asking you to step out in 2018 and take a risk? We're pilgrims. What risk is he asking you to take? These, these flags represent Tens of millions of peoples, nations, tribes, and languages that have never heard Jesus. Not once. Never heard Jesus. Not once. Will we step out, church, this year and go to these nations? because they are waiting to hear the gospel. What part will you play in bringing the gospel across the street and around the world so that they can hear Jesus? Like Karen Watson said, his glory is our reward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your glory is our reward. Your fame and your honor being spread among these nations is our reward. Oh, Lord Jesus, we give you our lives. They're yours. Take them, use them as vessels useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Let me encourage you to take that card now. Take your commitment card. Read down through it. There are a lot of challenges there for you to consider. Thank you. Full-time service. Short-term service. Community engagement. God is doing some amazing things, folks through our community engagement team right here in Birmingham, right here in our three mile around us community. Will you join there? Take that first step of faith. Helping others go on mission projects, praying as I've challenged you. Hey, we can pray for the next 360 days for these folks. I'm sure they would appreciate it. 
They need it. Some of them are struggling. Some of them are waiting for that first breakthrough. Let's pray for them to have that. To share Jesus with someone in my sphere of influence, I wanna challenge you, guys. Next Saturday morning, we're having a men's breakfast. You can go purchase your tickets outside and invite someone who doesn't know the Lord. Jeremiah Castile will be here sharing the gospel. Don't waste this opportunity, an awesome opportunity, to bring men into a group of other men who love Jesus and let them experience something different. If you previously made that commitment, but not sure yet where the Lord's leading you, check that box. Lots of opportunities as pilgrims to be Jesus this year. As the worship team begins to sing, you check those boxes, you come down and lay these on the altar. This is our altar tonight, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to do whatever he calls us to do, to go wherever he calls us to go, to say whatever he asks us to say in the weeks and months ahead into 2018. God bless you.